beloved church of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, why should I, why should you as a Christian leave the pew or the chair that you're sitting in, this building, why should you leave it clean or cleaner than when you came to sit down in it? Why should I pick up someone else's garbage that they dropped on the floor in the hallway at school? Why should I waste my precious time and I'm a busy person giving someone I hardly know a ride? Why should I wash other people's dirty feet? Do you know why? Because that is what thankfulness for Jesus' work in your life looks like. That is part of what it means to be a Christian. When Jesus washed his disciples' feet at their last Passover meal together, he was in the process of simply obeying the commandments, obeying the law of God. He was doing that for us and in our place. We can see him there fulfilling all righteousness. John 13 verse 1 says, because Christ loved his own who were in the world and he loved them to the end. And because he fulfilled all righteousness, you who believe in him don't need to wash the feet of others to be saved. But if you are saved, if you do belong to him, you will want to love one another in this way just as Christ Jesus loved you. Although Jesus' work was not just an example he still tells all those whom he has saved to use it as an example in our lives. And so we have young people who are professing their faith here this, this morning. Brett, Layton, Connor, Kimberly, Jared, Emily, Tristan, Maria, Megan, Elena, Levi. I think I got you all. And we're thinking about what it means to become to, to, to be Christians in this life. And we're thinking about this together with these young men and women, brothers and sisters, family and friends. What does it mean to follow Jesus in this life? Do you know how the world will know that you are disciples of Jesus Christ? Our Lord talks about that in verse 35, 34 and 35. He says, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so this morning, our Lord Jesus gives us an example of what Christian love looks like. You see a picture of what the Holy Spirit does in the hearts of those who profess their faith in him. I preached to you this gospel under the theme, Christ washed his disciples' feet as an example of Christian love. We'll see that he washed his servants' feet, he washed his betrayers' feet, and he washes our hearts. 
If you look at your text, John 13, you have it before you, that's page 900. Verse 4 tells you that our Lord Jesus rose from the table. This detail makes it clear that everyone had already reclined at the table for this meal without first washing their feet. And Luke chapter 22 tells us they were even disputing about which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. And by the fact that all of them had chosen to recline and to eat with the itch and the smells of dirty roads clinging to their feet, it appears that not one of them was willing to concede. Proud hearts make people feel that they are entitled to have others serve them. That menial tasks of service are below them. That dirty work is for other people to do. And that communal needs are basically not my problem. Pride results in garbage left on the floor in the hallways of your school or your church buildings in disrepair, or God's people lonely and uncared for. But pride stands in opposition to the law of God. To live a life of thankfulness, we need to imitate the way Jesus obeyed the law. Jesus needed to wash his disciples' feet because they had been too proud to do it themselves. And then John gives a slow, step-by-step description in verses 4 and 5 to help us to see the details of Jesus' humble love as if we were in the room ourselves looking at him through the gaping, disbelieving, embarrassed eyes of the disciples themselves. The Son of God On his way to offer his life for sinners on the cross, he removed his outer garments. And the plural garments tells us that he was down to the loincloth like a very lowly slave. The great teacher took the slave's towel and he tied it around his waist. The Lord and master of us all He poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. The Lamb of God performed the most menial task of untying the sandals from the feet of those who were unworthy to do the same for him. The disciples reclining around the table. They could feel the hands of the eternal king on their feet, their dusty feet, taking off their their sandals and putting water and, and drying their feet as he made his way around the circle. Can you imagine what they must have felt especially if they had just been arguing about who of them was the greatest and then 
stubbornly refusing to, to, to wash someone else's feet. And Peter voices the kind of, of embarrassment and amazement they felt when he says in verse 6, he says, O Lord, do you, emphatic you, wash my feet? You see, most societies have a ladder of importance. And this shameful reversal of roles, that's all that, that Peter could see. Even when Jesus explains to Peter that he would understand the big picture later, probably referring to the time after Christ's ascension, perhaps even to what Paul wrote in Philippians 2 about the humiliation of Christ. Even after Jesus spoke to him, you will understand, Peter insists with very strong words that he did not want any part of this humiliation of Christ. He says, you will never, and it's even in all eternity in the Greek, you will never in all eternity wash my feet. Christ's example shows us that Christian love is counter-cultural and perhaps even shocking because God does not define greatness as the world does. The law of God that governs our life does not define greatness like society, culture does. Greatness in the kingdom is voluntarily doing whatever needs to be done to help your neighbor enjoy God's creation. If there are dusty feet, you get up and you wash them because it needs to be done no matter who you are. Greatness in the kingdom of God. Jesus needed to wash his disciples' feet because they were dirty and it was time to eat. Jesus' reply to Peter shows that if you are the one with the dirty feet, the Christian response is to receive the help you need rather than be proud and refuse any help. Jesus showed Peter, he told Peter that if he was too proud or if he was too bound by social rules to receive the help he needed from his brother in Christ, then he would have no share in Jesus. You see, our Lord Jesus came to earth to serve and following him means depending on him and receiving his love. And although you may be embarrassed by the fact that you need help because it actually exposes your proud delusions about yourself, if you want to have a share in Jesus' kingdom, you need to be able to receive his love in all humility. Even if our Lord Jesus decides to care for us through the church, in a very physical ways. Jesus needed to wash their feet because he was fulfilling all righteousness, because he, he loved the Lord. And that's what it looks like. While it appears from Peter's response that he concluded, well, if the Lord Jesus has to wash my feet, then he must be talking symbolically 
He must be talking about the washing away of my sins or something. And, and, and so Peter's response, that, that flip-flop, he changes from never in all eternity will wash me completely. You, you can see the, the thought process. He says, oh, oh, are you talking in parables again about forgiving my sins? Oh, Lord, then please forgive every part of me. Don't just wash my feet. Wash my hands and, and my head as well. I only stopped you, Jesus, because I thought you were just cleaning my feet like a lowly slave might do because there's no other slave in, in the upper room. I want to forgive my sins, please. I'm ready completely. But then see how Jesus' answer actually confirms that he was just cleaning their feet like a lowly slave would do. He says, Peter, the one who has bathed, and you all have bathed, does not need to wash their whole body, just, just their feet, because your feet are dirty from traveling. Don't, don't go floating away into some sort of mental and symbolic interpretation. Love is washing feet and your feet are dirty. Christians' obedience of God's law is more than just spiritual talk. It's more than just trust, and talking about the trust that God will forgive my sins. But it is love that can be felt, that can be seen, that can be touched, like the washing of dirty feet so that they feel more comfortable at the same time our lord jesus and you notice this as well the same time he was willing to work with the imagery so he says first of all I, i'm washing your feet because your feet are dirty and then he goes on to to work with the imagery of being clean sort of like peter was thinking so that god's people could fully understand the extent of his love so after assuring Peter that he was physically clean except for his feet, our Lord Jesus does also make a comment on the spiritual status of his disciples. And since Peter recognized that he needed to be completely cleansed and he was seeking the forgiveness of sins, it was evident, our Lord Jesus tells him, that he was, would share in the saving work of Jesus Christ. When Jesus told his disciples that, that most of them were already made clean because they share in him, they could know that they were also forgiven in the work of Jesus Christ for their humility. But our Lord Jesus also made it clear that sharing in the forgiveness that Christ obtained was not the condition for being served by Christ. Jesus adds in, in verse 10, he says, you're clean, but not every one of you. And then John explains in verse 11, he says, for he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. Everyone who wants to have a share in Christ must receive his help. But that does not mean that everyone who receives Christian love has a share with Christ. The Lord washed his betrayer's feet. 
The whole chapter, chapter 13, it's introduced with a clear explanation of all that Christ knew. Everything he knew when he got up from the table, he took off his outer garments to wash his disciples' feet. You can follow along as you look at those early verses of the, the chapter. He knew that his hour had come. He knew that he was leaving the world soon. He knew that he was going to the Father. He knew that his Father had given all things into his hands. He knew that he had come from God. He knew that he was going to God. Jesus knew that his Father had glorified his name through his self-sacrificial love, having loved his own in the world. And he knew that God would glorify his name. He loved them to the end. But perhaps the most striking thing to notice is that our Lord Jesus knew that the devil had made plans to use Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him. Now the other Gospels, they mention this des desire to betray Jesus immediately after Mary anointed him. We looked at that already. Now John mentions the devil's conspiracy with Judas right at the beginning of this passage. Do you see the effect of this? Jesus Christ, who knew exactly who he was, John says he also knew that Judas was a betrayer. It's a staggering thing to see how far God carries us when he makes us imitate Christ's example of love. And brothers and sisters, just think. Just think about what it means for you who want to imitate Jesus' example of love. The Lord Jesus had chosen his disciples, he says in verse 18. And he knew that the one named Judas Iscariot would fulfill the scriptures that we sang in Psalm 41 that announced that Jesus' sufferings would include being betrayed by his own friend who, with whom he shared a morsel of bread. Jesus, knowing all this, he, he went to Judas and he, and he washed his feet. He made his last Passover meal more comfortable, even though he knew Judas would betray him. It's an example, says our Lord Jesus. He didn't, make, he didn't make the love of another person a condition for his obedience to God's law. He didn't make his own kindness conditional on the love that others showed to him. Jesus showed the same love, the same service to every human being reclining about that table without partiality or favoritism. Jesus didn't skip Judas's, Judas's feet to teach him a lesson. There's no selfishness. There's no manipulation. There's no bargaining in Christian love. So you never have a reason not to care for the needs of other people around you. The Lord of all the earth washed his betrayer's feet. 
And then he said, that's an example. And in order that the disciples knew that he was not acting, acting in ignorance, Jesus goes even further. He tells them, one of, one of you is going to betray me. And you can read more about that in verses 21 to 30, how he, he goes into all the details. The disciple whom Jesus loved could even know that it was Judas Iscariot who received the morsel of bread from Jesus. Jesus told the disciples about the betrayal ahead of time so that when it did take place, they could know that he was the one whom the Father had sent. That was the sign of his greatness. And Jesus cared about his disciples' hearts. He wanted them to be certain in their conviction, even when things looked so different from what they were used to about what is right and what is wrong and what is nice and what is unkind. When it looked like Jesus was defeated by the evil one, he wanted them to know that he knew. Jesus cared about the hearts of all his disciples. And so Judas could also hear everything that Jesus was saying. Although Judas had been instigated by the devil, we read in verse 2, to decide to betray Jesus, he had not yet left into the night. He had not yet actually taken any steps to let the Pharisees know that an opportunity was, was on the horizon. There was still time for Judas to repent. If only Jesus, or Judas would see how, how Jesus' words were revealing his sovereign knowledge and, and who he really was and how he was fulfilling the scriptures. If only Judas had recognized that in betraying Jesus, he was fighting against the Savior of the world. Our Lord Jesus showed this compassion. He showed this concern. Our Lord Jesus washed Judas' feet to exemplify the kind of love that Christians ought to show to every person in our sphere of influence. And our Lord Jesus warned Judas in order to exemplify the grace of God that we should also show to sinners even as we are serving them, calling them to repentance. You see, Christian love cares about the whole person wherever they are in their journey. The work of deacons that displays Christ's love for our physical needs is, is complemented by the work of elders who, who help us with our spiritual needs. And, and together as a congregation, we, we grow up as a, as a whole body. And so our hearts are washed clean. You see, when Peter thought the Lord Jesus was talking about the promise of a spiritual cleansing, that's when he showed himself eager to receive Jesus' saving work. And so he said, Lord, thinking it's a spiritual cleansing, he said, Lord, not, not my feet only, but my hands and my feet. And he, he meant, I am a sinner. I need to be completely forgiven. That was like a public profession of faith. 
And then later it was followed by the promise you can see in verse 37 that he would lay down his life for Jesus. Well, that sounds a lot like the statement that these young men and young women before us hope to make. Publicly professing our faith is not the end of the Christian journey. It's, it's recognizing that Jesus Christ has washed us from our sins. And then it's followed by the commitment to follow him. And Jesus explains what that commitment looks like in verses 16 he said, and 17. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master. So you said, you're going to say, say it together, Jesus is my master. And he answers, well, you're not greater than me. And the messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Our Lord Jesus quite, says quite simply that if you recognize Jesus as your teacher and your Lord, which he is, you will follow the example of his love. So the question for each one of us is what does it look like for me, what does it look like for you to follow Christ's example? When he tells his disciples that they ought to wash one another's feet, he's not speaking in symbolic language, he's not instituting a new sacrament. Laying down your life for God is much more than promising that you would die for Christ in the hour of persecution, but it's also loving and serving your neighbor today in the hour of prosperity. Jesus leads those who love him from just knowing what Christian love looks like answering all the questions the right way, checking all the boxes about what you think is right and what is wrong and, and having the debates. He leads you from knowing these things to doing them. Practice hospitality. Christian love is picking up garbage that other people have left. Helping someone move. Babysitting someone's children. Introducing yourself to people around you in the church building. Coming to wedding and baby showers. Fixing your neighbor's car. Stopping to help a person who's stuck on the side of the road. Washing dirty feet. No matter what position you have in your family or your church or your job site, no loving service is below the dignity of Christians. In fact, loving service is the dignity of Christians. In doing these things, whether the other person is deserving 
or not. And doing these things, whether the other person likes you or not. means dropping the grudges, getting rid of that pride that hinders your service, throwing away the resentment. It's very silly. If you think about the example of Christ, how his spirit leads us, there's no place for that in the church. Imitating Christ's Humility. If your hearts are washed, the Spirit of Christ within you leads you to show love even to those who would hate us and betray us. And not only by washing their feet, not by doing practical service of, and deeds to them, but also by inviting them to see the power of Christ's work within you, to see the beauty of the light of the gospel as it shines from a loving heart and stands in contrast to the bitterness and the resentment and the darkness where Satan does his work. How can the world see that Christ has washed your hearts? Can you think of examples of self-sacrificing Christian love in your life? Stop, think. This past week, something you did to serve a friend, someone who might not like you so much in your home, in your church, in your school. Can you think of examples? That's Christian love. Can you imagine if we were all faultless in our love for our enemy, the treatment of those who are trying to take away funding, treatment of those who have hurt us. Imagine if we are faultless in our love for one another, no gossip, no slander, no ridicule, no selfishness. Can you imagine? It leads us to pray, oh Spirit, work this transforming love into our hearts and lives more and more. Help us to truly profess our faith. Oh, Lord, have mercy on us. It's not hard to understand just thinking of that. But Jesus was saying, and he said, those who do these things will be blessed. What kind of blessing can we see? The Lord Jesus uses the plural you, you will be blessed. You, he uses the plural to speak about all those who follow him, all those who love one another. The church will be blessed if we live in genuine, sincere Christian love. You will be blessed personally as you find joy in a loving relationship with your covenant God who created you to live in this love. The believers around you will be blessed with your companionship and your warmth and your encouragement that comes from giving and receiving practical and spiritual support. And the congregation will also be blessed by an increasing number of believers who receive the Lord as their God and Savior. 
because they have come to see who he is by your love. The wonderful thing is that Jesus says in verse 20, whoever receives the one I send receives me. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. You are the ones that Jesus Christ is sending. You are the ones through whom people can come to know the Lord. And the way that you interact with others affects how they see your Lord. At the end of the day, if you make it hard for people to receive you because of your pride, because of your laziness, because you actually don't really care, because if you make it hard for people to receive you, you make it hard for people to receive Jesus who sent you and his Father. Jesus' command to love one another is a command to make it easy for people to come to the Lord. Your Christian life your Christian love is missional. The blessing for doing these things is not just the joy of walking with God in peace, but it can also be seen when those around you see the glory of God in you and they also want to receive him as their Lord and Savior. And you'll notice when our Lord Jesus was finished washing the feet, Verse 12, he put on his outer garment and he resumed his place at his table with his disciples. The master beside the servants in the kingdom of God, eating clean feet. The teacher with his students. They had different tasks, they had different callings, but they were beside one another to celebrate God's redeeming work at the Passover meal. Reminds me of after the interviews with all the 11 young women and young men. We prayed together, leaders of the church, with, also with these young people. And it just so happened that every second chair was an open chair. So when they all came back, we were all together around that table, all together praising the Lord, all together thanking him for washing our hearts. You see, after we have ensured that everyone around us is well-served and comfortable with humble hearts and hands that are worn with service, we too are ready to resume our place at the table, one beside the other as equals before the throne of God, celebrating our union with Christ, the sacrament of Lord's Supper. Blessed are you, when you walk in this Christian love. And blessed is your neighbor, and blessed be the Lord. Amen.